Guys, welcome to the very first episode of Pardon the Disruption. We're doing a real estate debate show. We got RJ Bates, Chris Jefferson, and Eric Brewer. These guys were hand-picked based off two qualities. A, they're actually doing real estate deals. Not just doing real estate deals, doing a respectable amount of real estate deals. They're also, in my opinion, second, third, and fourth best trash talkers in the business. So that's the reason why they're on the show. We're going to be doing this every week. We're going to have five topics that we handpicked beforehand and a sixth one for you guys to nominate and vote for for us to discuss. So six five-minute rounds. You, the audience, get to vote on who won each round. So before we jump into that, just real quick, one or two, uh, maybe 30 seconds a minute, uh, all you guys introduce yourselves. Uh, we'll start with Eric. Uh, my name's Eric Brewer. I'm from uh, Pennsylvania. I've known Steve for about three years now. I've been investing since 2005 and just excited to be here. It should be fun. Chris? Yeah, Chris Jefferson, Richmond, Virginia. Uh, I've been investing 12 years. Uh, do everything from wholesaling to multifamily. Uh, excited to be here. Shout out to Charged Up. Uh, you know, you know the vibes, all right? Uh, but excited for this conversation uh, weekly um, for these guys to be wrong uh, and incorrect in their opinions <laughs> and for me to be right. Uh, so looking forward to it, man. Excited to be here. Yeah, and I'm uh, RJ Bates, uh, Titanium Investments based out of Fort Worth, Texas. We've been uh, full-time in real estate since uh, January 1st of 2015. Uh, I am the king closer, and I'm also definitely the, the best trash talker on this whole panel. I so think I look forward to just completely ev eviscerating Steve through this entire 30-minute show. I think it's nice that you're still living in the past. I mean, that was literally last year. But okay, if you, if you want to keep celebrating the past, that's cool. So very first topic we're talking about is the recession. So you want to put up that lower third again, Manny? So, I'm not seeing it here. Um, <laughs> thank you for being patient with us, guys. I know we started a little bit late. We're supposed to start at uh, 11.30 Pacific. I don't, I don't see it. Uh, 2.30 Eastern. Um, but, okay, is the market recession coming? All right, so let's start with Chris. Your opinion. 110% a market recession is coming. Why? It's a fact. I don't think it's up for debate. All right. No no, no debate. This is the debate show, but it's no debate. All right, RJ. <laughs> I think the recession's already here. Uh, I mean, we've already seen, you know, quarter one, the GDP going down. We're seeing things now in the real estate world where uh, longer days on market price reductions, uh, wholesale deals not selling in markets like Phoenix, Dallas, places where it was almost instantaneously sold. Now we're seeing where we're getting lower offers than the asking price and things along those lines. So I definitely think that we're already in the recession. Well, you're feeling it, but do you think this is going to stay? Do you think this is going to be the, the new norm? Yeah, I don't see anything that's going to change it anytime soon. Eric? Yeah, I mean, I think it's an obvious yes, right? Like uh, I was fortunate enough to be able to see a gentleman by the name of Bruce Norris speak yesterday, the collective genius. Um, biggest issue is we have an affordability problem, right? I think everybody knew for the last two years, there was no way that you could pace what we were seeing as far as appreciation and price increases. And it'll just be a matter of, I think, how big 
the impact is in individual markets. I think for the most part, um, the markets that saw the biggest increase in value in the last two years will probably see an equal, if not greater, uh, reset. And some of the areas that didn't enjoy some of the big spikes in values over the last two years probably won't be hit as hard. Um, I think the one thing you'll see from all three of the people here, if we've been around long enough, that a lot of the stuff that you're going to have to get back to doing and dispo and acquisitions is what you had to do three years ago to get a deal under contract and buy it anyway. And what you're going to have to, you're going to actually have to have a deal to sell it to someone now. They're not going to buy it because the rates are low. They're going to buy it because it's a good price. Yeah. So yeah. I think my answer would be absolutely yes. So let me, let me, let me put a different point out there. Right. I mean, uh, yeah, we've all been doing this for a while, but we saw what happened two years ago, like, uh, with COVID, like everything shut down, right. Everyone had a little bit of a freak out moment and then it came roaring back. Now I'm not suggesting it's going to roar back, but if interest rates drop back and the fed drops back, right. Cause they, have, they, they, they got to figure out if they want to fight recession or they want to fight inflation. They can't fight both or they can try to fight both, but that would be interesting, but they got to pick one or the other. But if interest rates go down, right on the at the fed and mortgage rates go back to the threes you don't think we'll go back to right where we just were i don't, I don't I, look i don't i don't see that happen and i think we're in a forced recession i think interest rates have been intentionally obviously raised uh with the intent to slow down spending i think that's the goal of the fed uh is to reset things and slow down some spending you know when you really just take a look at everything in totality you know, Eric just made a comment, you know, we've all been doing this for a really long time. I've been doing it 12 years. This has been a roaring market for at least seven years. At least seven years has been a roaring market. I remember when I first started out, if you could put a house on the market and sell it within 30 days, like you were like a legend. Like if you, <laughs> if you could list a house in 2010 and it sold within 30 days at your asking price, I mean... I mean, that was a beautiful thing. You know, having a house on the market for two to three months at a time was normal. We've been in this market recently, Steve, right? Where we've like, I put out houses and they have multiple offers within 24 hours. Yeah. The, uh, that's not common. That's not normal. When, when so we're stepping say, back down. I think you that's said, okay. uh, you said 12 years, CJ? Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, so, so 2010. Uh, 2010. Here's a good question for you. At each of the people on this call, would you rather have 2016? Because RJ, you said you started January 2015, right? CJ was around long enough. Steve, you've been around. Would you rather have 2016 market or 2020? 2016, all day. All day, right? Like we benefited from the prices in 2020, but it got real, it got much harder for us to buy a deal. You had this influx of, you know, a ton of new wholesalers, institutional buyers. Um, what we saw is the benefit on the ability to be able to sell a house quicker for maybe more money. It was equally, if not more challenging. My cost per lead went up, cost per contract went up. Now, luckily it was incremental, but I mean, honestly, I, I remember looking at, at 2017 and being in different real estate groups and, and, you know, masterminds and everybody going, man, I can't imagine it getting much better than this. That uh, was seven years ago. Five to seven years ago. When'd you start? It, me yeah yeah you 2005 2005 okay so you've been in this the longest so uh i was kind of uh, remarking to uh i was talking to chris mclaughlin a couple days ago and you remember back in the day like to qualify for a mortgage you just had to have a pulse 
Yeah. Right. I, I kind of felt like the last couple of years, like if you could find a deal, you are a wholesaler. Like that's it. If you could find a deal, <laughs> <laughs> I am a full time wholesaler. You didn't even have to find a deal. You just had to find a house. <laughs> that's true. You right. Like there's to... a there's the, you just had and then literally for the longest time, all you had to do, Steve, you lost you. We're gonna keep going though. Yeah, keep going. And you 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 could lock up a deal and still dispo it because you just had to find a bigger idiot. And there was a lot of people out there that were quote unquote idiots because interest rates would influence them to pay a price that didn't make sense. Yeah. Yep. So and you could literally buy a house like CJ's talking about. Like if you sell a house in 90 days prior to 2020, you were you were really, really good, right? Like in 2020, it would behoove you to hold that bitch for six months because it would go up 15% to 20% in value. Yeah. If you, if you, if you buy a deal with no equity in six months, you're you you had equity in six months. Yeah. Well, and this Just is something for three I've, months. I've been telling people for a long time now as far as wholesaling goes. You know, we've all been using and abusing the hedge funds for our dispositions. And I've been saying, Listen, it's going to just come a random Tuesday out of nowhere. You're going to get fucking emails that say, we're not buying anymore. And it just happened a couple of weeks ago where all of a sudden they're, they're backing out. We're talking about hedge funds are walking away from deals, releasing the earnest money. And and what where are you at now? You're, you didn't have a wholesaling business if you weren't able to actually buy deep and find the, the actual local landlord, the local rehabber. If you were solely relying on hedge funds, then you're probably in a world of hurt right now. So right, I think right. about like yeah. RJ's point, take 2008. And if you, you could get a mortgage, if you had a pulse, the replacement in 2020 was the hedge fund, right? Yeah. So away with the unqualified borrower and replace them with an unqualified cash purchaser. All right. right? So next question, before we jump into the next question, everybody put in the chat, who do you think won that round? I mean, I, besides myself, who who do you think won that round? Um, okay, next question. Right, right now, are you guys buying or selling? Buying. Buying. PJ's buying. Why are you buying? I'm buying because I buy good deals, right? Like to to me, you know, I, I look at real estate as simply as assets, just like I look at a stock in the exact same way. So I, I don't I don't foresee a market. If something's trading at $200 a share, I don't think it's going to drop tomorrow to $0 a share unless there's an extreme event. I don't think the housing market is going to step down from the prices that things are at, um, you know, in extreme velocity. I think it's going to happen in percentage points month over month. If I, you know, I've got a deal on buying today, right? So if I'm picking up a property for $230,000, I'm planning to wholesale it listed for uh, for two hundred or 300000 Well. You know, I'm not even doing any work to the thing. Let's just be just be honest, right? So even if the market starts to step down, I purchased at 230, I've got to sell off at 280. I mean, I'm taking that deal every single day of the week. So I'm being aggressive in my purchasing right now still, uh, but I'm keeping my runway to a limit of 90 days. I'm not buying anything over median average home price for my markets. Uh, and, I, and I'm kind of sticking to my guns on what I like to purchase. But yeah, I'm, I'm definitely buying right now. Brewer? Brian. Buying. What's your, what's your criteria for buying? It's a deal. It's the same thing it's been for the last 17 years. Um, like I think literally what CJ just talked about is just generally good practices, right? When you're looking at a deal and whether or not it makes sense, can I get out of it in 90 days? And is there enough 
profit in the deal that if it sells for less than what I'm projecting it sells for, if my rehab goes over, if that's what I'm doing, are you allocating a contingency plan? Are you, have you, adjusted if you your haven't ARV? been doing that, you should, what? Have you adjusted your ARV or not ARV, your, your, your maximum allowable offer? So, in, um, yes. So we, we utilize the market conditions with sellers, but I'm not necessarily seeing it in Pennsylvania right now on the, the resale end. I, I went from getting 15 offers to three. Mm-hmm. I can still work with three offers. I'm still going to get list price. I might not get 25 grand over, but I never counted on that to begin with. If you've been counting on 25 grand over, that's a dangerous place to be. And you do need to modify your ARV. I have not. Yeah. Yeah. A lot so, of people that are looking really good are the ones that were buying, betting on, uh, betting on the come, right? Like this is the, the, the craps, craps table, right? Like they're betting on the cause. Yeah. So, uh, RJ, what about you? <laughs> Uh, Bad uh, choice of words there, Trang. The, the, the question is, the <laughs> family family and you said it twice. Like, it's not like you, you should have known the first time. Let's move on. <laughs> Jesus. Right. So the, the question is, buy or sell? Well, that's a misleading question because I've already sold. Um, I already felt like we were at the top of the market. So everything that I wasn't planning on holding forever, I've sold. So every rental property that we had maximum appreciation on, we've already gotten rid of. We're actually closing on our last quadplex that we're, we're getting rid of. And as far as buying, the only thing that I'm gonna be buying is gonna be something that I'm gonna wholesale. Um, I don't plan on, on taking anything down right now due to the uncertainty of where we are. So I, I kind of completely disagree with, with Chris and Eric uh, because how do you know if it's a deal? Because the both of their simple answer was, well, yeah, I'll buy it if it's a deal. You don't know if it's a deal because you don't know what's going to be happening in the market moving forward in the next 60 or 90 days. Um, right now, we we have properties that on our retail side of things that we've listed in the $300,000 price point here in, in Dallas-Fort Worth, which as of you know 10 days ago, there would have been 100 showings and, and 20 offers. We've had one showing. So there's been a drastic just change in what's happened in our local marketplace. Is that median or there's, over median, I, RJ, on, on those properties? That's Is, under. That's under median. Under median? And, and you it, went from 100 showings yeah. to one? Yes. And and here's and here's my thing. And it's in a nice part of, of Fort Worth as well. Here Here's my thing is that I, I, don't, I don't fool myself to think that I'm smart enough to predict what's going to happen here moving forward. So – if I'm running a high volume wholesale machine, why do I need to take anything down in the meantime? If I just pause purchasing for the next ninety to one hundred and twenty days, are you pausing? Uh, are you pausing your 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 purchases as a wholesaler, or are you pausing to or, or pausing it? Per, pausing any flips or rentals or seller financing. The only thing I'm doing is wholesaling. Gotcha. Yeah. So um, I can say for myself, uh, I, I'm not excited about taking anything down. We still will. But it has to be really good price, right? Like we just. Uh, but then, what's a really good price? I think that's RJ's point. What's a really good price? Yep. I mean, for us, we're a lot more conservative as to what we're willing to pay, right? Like we were never betting on on the market going up. We were always we were always buying based off the previous comps, right? And I know we left a lot of money on the table because we're being too conservative. But that's been our approach because I didn't want to be in a situation where the market slows down and it's like, oh, there's no appreciation, and I'm paying you know a lot of interest. Uh, so we're adjusting our, our our buy box by you know two, three, five percent, not or our, our purchase amount, not significant because I don't know, I'm crazy, but I don't I don't see a a the market going down, 
I see the market slowing down. I see the the number of buyers jumping out there slowing down, but I don't see the prices going down. I think we still have a situation where prices, the, the end buyer prices, right? Not the flipper prices, right? The, 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 the flipper prices and the, and the buy and hold guys, that price is going down, right? Cause they're betting or they're, 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 they're being nervous. But for me, I think going on the MLS, I don't see prices going down three to nine, uh, three, six, nine months from now. But here's my yeah. question: What if it does, what is, though? What is where does that where does that you? leave you? And that's where, and that's where I, I struggle, with, struggle with this. Is, is I I am putting myself putting myself at risk, risk to assume that, that, that assumption, that assumption you just, made, you just made is correct. Is correct. And I, I and don't I, want I don't to want live, want to live in that reality. But but look, that's my that's my point though, right, RJ? Like you're you're playing out transactional timelines. So so at the end of the day, it, what we're really it, having, we're a really having a conversation about is investment strategy. All right. All right. So am I, so buying, am I, buying, am I trying to do am I trying right to be burned right now? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. That, not, that doesn't make any sense. sense. Interest rate's interest rate's going to run me six and a quarter, six and a quarter, six and a half right now. That's, that doesn't have, that doesn't have any appeal to Right. But, right. But on a wholesale opportunity, opportunity, if I can be out in 45 to 90 days, I still like that a lot right now. I'm not scared to do that type of deal right now. Um, because I'm going into something that's not going to require any type of construction. It's not going to entire or require, you know, um, any sort of heavy lifting, really. I'm really just working margin within the market. You're cherry so, picking. you know, my, yeah, I'm cherry picking, right? And so I think those opportunities are there. Real quickly, you guys made a point about hedge funds earlier. I think it was RJ I've been saying this to a lot of people recently. A lot of people bank their entire business on hedge funds. And a lot of people are restricted are to who they can have conversations with about the market right now because they had the perspective of how hedge funds have looked at it. I think if you talk to everyday buyers that have been buying heavily, they do this for a living. People like me and Eric, you know, not RJ and Steve, uh, we're buying right now. We're, look, we're looking to pick properties up. We're looking to make strong purchase decisions right now as a business. This is how we feed our families. This is what we do. I don't think people are going to pick up and I'm not going back to T-Mobile tomorrow, right? I can tell you. Uh, so um, it's just about spots. My, my, my so, approach right now with everything we have, uh, we are no longer trying to maximize profit. We're trying to get in, get out. We close on it. What's the bare minimum we got to do to get back on the market? Not trying to squeeze out that extra 10, 10, 15K. So uh, right now, um, let's let's jump to the next topic, which is, uh, is interest rates a big concern? So before we jump into that, uh, guys vote who won that round. Uh, I guess the audience is confused because they voted for, for, for CJ that first round, but... Um, hey man, listen, listen, smart folks, man, smart folks. <laughs> uh, but guys, vote. Who do you think won that round? And the next question is: Is interest rates a big concern? Uh, RJ, take the lead. Uh, yeah, I think it is. Just if you take wholesalers, just for an example, uh, really the majority of who we're wholesaling deals to is going to be the landlords and and people that are going to be utilizing the Burr strategy. And what did what did CJ just say? Well, I'm not, I'm not going to do the Burr strategy right now. That would be insanity. Right, uh, because the interest rates are are going to push them out of the the ability to cash flow. So yeah, I mean it, it's a concern um, for sure, and, and I think that's a, another moving part of this entire conversation of where uh, we're we're going to have to adjust where we're how we're analyzing deals. Uh, where we're going to have to adjust calculating our ARVs and how how deep we're buying just to to take into account what the interest rates are going to do to. Probably our, our number one client is wholesalers, which is landlords. So I absolutely think it's a huge concern. Hey, RJ, you get, you're you're nationwide, right? Like, how many states yep. are you in? I mean, we we do deals in all fifty states. Well, okay, so forty nine like, because we just now got Utah. 
<laughs> so then are you like i mean how how the heck are you juggling all this like decisions for each market with everything or are you just one or you unilaterally making decisions across the country well, we do. The vast majority of our, our volume is going to be in the Midwest and the Sunbelt states, which are pretty similar to each other as far as, you know, price points and where we're buying. But uh, this is the number one thing that we're doing is, is we're really having a lot of serious conversations with some of our regular buyers and asking them what adjustments they're making. Uh, and, and then also we, we had a pretty serious meeting in here about, listen, we, we could have zero reliability from the hedge fund. So now it is going back to people like Eric, for example, and asking him, hey, Eric, where do you need to be? Because you are still buying. I need to understand what kind of discounts I need to be getting for you as my client. All right. Uh, Chris, interest rates a big concern to you? Yeah, I think interest rates are definitely a concern. I think interest rates, um, you know, they play a critical part in the market itself and how, how the market itself functions. So I definitely think it's problematic. You know, RJ just spoke about burn investors and, and things of that nature. So we'll, we'll, we'll continue to kind of see what that looks like. But I think more importantly is wholesalers. You know, we've got a lot of people watching this that are wholesalers. I think you have to start having outside the box thinking, right? So conversations I'm having, thoughts that I'm having, you know, here in the last couple of weeks are, well, why are we not having conversations with local nonprofits who buy hundreds of houses a year all right. And their, their, their business is subsidized by the state federal government in order to provide housing to people in our markets. Right. How many people watching this are reaching out to those people? Right. How many of us on this panel are reaching out to those people? They're generally buying from the land bank in the locality when we can really provide deeply discounted properties to them as well, create some margin and some spread and still continue to wholesale. So there's a ton of opportunities there, regardless of interest rates. I think it's just a matter of your approach and how you yeah. take you interest know, rates, interest rates are, are, are not as much of a concern for them. Um, so on the last round, uh, RJ won, but more importantly, uh, Eric got the last place. So I just want to put that out there. Uh, Eric, <laughs> what are your thoughts on the uh, <laughs> interest rates? Hey, ask him who has the most facial hair and see who comes in last. <laughs> <laughs> Steve hasn't shaved in a month. I don't need to. It's great. I see that. <laughs> so, uh, so Eric, thoughts on interest rates? I mean, I think it's it's the one thing that changed. Like what what happened right before we saw what RJ's seeing in, in Dallas, Fort Worth, which has been one of the hottest real estate markets in the last two to five years, um, immediately preceding this almost immediate change um, in days on market and, and, and the amount of inventory in, in Phoenix and Dallas, Fort Worth. That's probably two of the most, um, I would say, drastically impacted markets in the last four weeks was interest rates. So I think it'd be silly to say that it obviously doesn't make an impact and isn't a concern because the most recent evidence that we have is rates went up. I think it was a historical increase, right? In a short period of time. Yeah, for uh, mortgage rates, two, two consecutive, uh, I mean, it, it, there's the Fed that went up, but two weeks in a row, mortgage rates took massive jumps, which I yeah, think is so also when you, unprecedented. When you, look at those, when you look at those two things and then you see the, 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 the impact, as you saw, days on market increase. And I think the problem is right now is like RJ is going to make a decision with that property, right? And it might be worth what he's asking for it, but it may take 60 days. What's going to happen is some people aren't going to wait 60 days. They're going to lower it. That now becomes the new comp. Like there, I, I saw this happen in 2008. Oh, right? yeah. I, I don't even think it wasn't as fast as what I've seen here, right? There's a lot more awareness about it now because of COVID that everybody's been anticipating this day. So the information's being reported in record time. 
where back in 2008, for good reason, a lot of that was being concealed, yeah. right? There was years of bad mortgages. So, yeah, I mean, I think the, the, the simple answer to that is 100% the interest rate already had an impact. Oh, it's definitely so it's a concern. I would say the, the big things. I love what, what, what CJ said, right, about like looking at some other options as far as dispositioning, finding buyers that are not sensitive to the interest rates. Um, like for us, I think it's wholetail. The person that doesn't care about a 6% interest rate is the person that can still afford the median priced house that couldn't get it before because there was 12 offers. They should be celebrating right now because they don't have to compete with potentially a hedge fund or institutional buyer. And maybe 75% of the people they were competing with for the last year have bounced because yeah. they can't afford it. Their approval went down or they're just chilling because they're going to wait until this all cools down. Yeah, I mean, I would say for sure, my biggest thing, and uh, again, I know I left a lot of money on the table, right? I never bet on the appreciation. I also wanted to be a median or lower. And I think, truthfully, I think median price points, it, they, they still need to buy a house, right? So it's going to be a different buyer, but we never played at 2X median. And I know a lot of people, right, killed it in luxury. They're doing six-figure profits. But for me, I always stated on the on the my... Uh, Bread and butter was always the median or lower. That's all I cared about. And I think at median and lower interest rates, although it's a, it's a light concern, it's not a major concern because there's got to be someone that needs a place to live, someone that's tired of living in an apartment, someone that's uh, tired of living with their parents or whatever. You know, those first-time home buyers, I, I think they're not as sensitive to the interest rates. Now, and, I will say one yeah, of the things about well, about the raising interest rates is is that it does give us the opportunity to purchase creatively, uh, whether it be sub two or seller finance, uh, that would be one area where I would be interested in purchasing and holding long term. For example, you know, people that are in situations where they need to sell, they don't have the time frame where they can wait. And, and because we're, I, I foresee us having longer days on market, I do see there's going to be plenty of opportunities for us to take things down uh, sub two and capturing some of those interest rates that were down at. 2.75 and 3.25% that that was going on for the past couple of years. So I do think that's an opportunity for us. I've Would you the, guys hey, buy hey, real, real a property for 25 grand more than what you want to pay with a 2.75 interest rate that yeah. cash flows 500 bucks a month right now? Yes. I'd buy all that I could get my hands yeah, on. Yeah, more than likely. It, it almost becomes like you got to start looking for the asset actually becomes the mortgage, not necessarily the house. I think that's going to create a big opportunity because you're going to have people that are impacted by the recession when it comes that can't afford their house and don't have equity because prices have not declined. But if they just stay still and you bought your house a year ago, you don't have enough equity to sell it. You do have enough equity between current rates and your rate. If you have a rate below 3%, there's a great opportunity for guys like us that generate real leads and understand creative finance to lock up deals based on a rate, not based on a value. Hey, Chris, I know you wanted to ask something. I'm sorry. We're going to the next question. Uh, but guys, vote. Go. Uh, vote. Next question. Should wholesaling be regulated? I'm going to start with you, CJ. So I know you wanted to say something, but go ahead, jump in here. Yeah. Should wholesaling be regulated? Yeah, of course it should. I mean, uh, you know, how much it should be regulated, who knows? Um, but I mean, we would we would be all, you know, amiss if we didn't, you know, just be, be honest about the facts that you know, there's been bad apples in wholesaling. There's been people that have t improperly taken advantage of people and things of that nature. Do I think wholesaling should be regulated? Yes. You know, how extensively? That's an entirely different conversation. I don't know that there should be licenses and things of that nature. But uh, aside from that fact, uh, I think that we need to have a organized body 
of wholesalers, similar to have realtors have organized bodies, home builders have organized bodies, and have lobbyists in place to go lobby on behalf of our interests uh, as a collective, as, as business people, uh, to to lobby, uh, you know, locally uh, at a state level, Fed level, uh, towards our interest uh, when it comes to the business and making sure that when regulation does take place, because it will, we we have two choices right now. We can we can all sit back and keep having conversations about it and keep speculating about it, and we can let it take place however it unfolds. I love what you or said we there. can unify it. What you said there, 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 there's nobody lobbying for us, but you know, there's there's a lot of people lobbying against us, but no one's lobbying for exactly. us. RJ. And, and that's my point, it goes one or two ways. I, I mean, should we have representation? Yes. Should we be regulated? Um, no, I'm, I'm never a fan of any sort of regulation. So I'm, I'm absolutely opposed to any sort of regulations coming down on wholesaling. Just simply based on what, what was the reason behind of us having a, an assignable contract? Because that's, that's what really seems like what they're trying to go after is the fact that we can assign contracts. It's there for, for many different things. And I don't see what the benefit is in allowing anyone to come in and regulate what we're doing. I think that's only can lead to long-term negativity for our industry over the course of time. It, there's there's bad apples in every single industry, even the ones that are still regulated. So I don't think that that's going to be the solution to get rid of the bad apples. So I'm adamantly opposed to any sort of regulation, but I do think we need to have representation to avoid the, the lobbying against our industry. But here's what I'll say. I, I would say that I absolutely hate regulation, right? I'm a libertarian. Leave me alone. I'm, I'm the leave me alone party, right? But to CJ's point, uh, if we are, rep are, if we're involved, we can be actively involved in the legislation or we could be, we could either make the legislation happen or we can have the legislation happen to us. Right. So I think the point is, if we're right. going to get it regulated. Yeah, but does regulation change that? Like if you say, OK, I think the, the, the wholesaling should be regulated. That doesn't give you a seat at the table. Well, I think what, they're, they're, what, what they CJ's talking about is, like, is banding together, right? Having a, a group of us be a representative of the, of the wholesaling industry to, to, to get involved. But go ahead, Eric. No, I mean, I think that here, here's the problem, right? Like for guys of like that, the, the, for us that have been around for a, a while, I can actually tell somebody I pay cash for a house and stand behind it. I think one of the concerns, a little con, like I, they're, they're chasing the assignment, but I think the actual concern that they should have is someone's ability to put up signs and ads and all this stuff and say, I buy houses for cash when they actually have no resources or ability to be able to do that. And that's probably going to piss off a lot of true wholesalers that have 2200 bucks in their bank account and spend their last couple bucks on some RVMs but that's the real problem guys like us that have the capacity and the resources to take down a deal and we choose the wholesale yeah i don't have to you know right? there's actually when i look at an right asset, now. i look at its the best use and i make a decision to wholesale something because it's the right choice for that particular asset this is um, a, so i think one of the things that's real difficult is the ability to be able to lure a customer in under the premise that it's cash, I'll buy it as is, all of these things. And then it's not cash. It's not as is. There's these 90-day due diligence processes. I mean, it's the gray area is what I'm comfortable eliminating because I don't leverage any of that stuff to do my deals. Um, and that's what gets people in trouble. When they tie up a contract and 70 days later, they release it um, or they didn't disclose the assignment 
Um, you know, they told the person they were going to buy the house and they're talking about bringing contractors through when it's really the potential buyers. Well, like, you know, Eric, that, so I don't that, know. That, that actually exists already today, right? It's actually fraud. If I said to you, Eric, I'm going to buy your house for cash and yeah. I cancel in my due diligence period because I couldn't assign it, that's actually fraud. No one's gotten in trouble for it. But at some point, somebody's going to get crucified for this because that's legally fraud. I'm getting you to sign a contract based off a of material fact that is not true. So, right. so that that's already in place. They just no one do anything about it. So, so I see but it was for those a, that are, but for those that are in favor of regulations, what is it that you're wanting to be regulated? Here, here's my point, RJ. Hold on. Here's my point. Look, we, we can say we don't want regulation, but who cares? It's going to come either way. That's already evident. So my point in saying that we want regulation or that regulation is okay is because we need to spearhead our involvement in what is to be regulated. I think Eric just made some valid points about, uh, you know, saying that you can close on a contract cash and you don't have the ability to be able to do that. That's a lot of people that are wholesaling right now. I do think that is problematic, man. I mean, you got to think about some of these things. If you've got somebody that's living in a home, this has been their house for the last 20 years, the owner occupied. They move out of that property, take on new debt, or go rent another property under the pretense that you're going to close on their home, and you knowingly do not have the ability to do so or intend to do so unless you're going to sign that contract to somebody else. I think anybody could agree that's pretty problematic, right, regardless yeah, if we make money from that or not. But that goes back to contract law, and, and there's laws put in place to how you're protected within the contract that you sign. That has nothing to do with wholesaling. All right, guys. So next I agree, question. But, uh, next question. So I think you guys need to, uh, everyone here, vote. But also, the sixth question is the audience's question. What do you guys want us to discuss for the last question? Right? So before we get to the last question, make sure you guys vote. And the fifth question here that we have here is who do you think hurts the most? Who suffers the most with what's going on right now in this environment? Eric, Who's who do you think suffers the most? You mean specifically in real estate? I mean, we saw it yesterday. A guy that's been studying economic cycles for the last 200 years, the middle class, right? The, 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 the people like us will thrive in this environment. I mean, I bet you'd look around and even though we got to, it, it tightens things up for, for, for guys like us right now. Like I've been in rooms and groups and dinner tables and calls with people like, man, I can't wait till the market gets corrected. And, um, you know, some of them, those people eating their words right now, because in theory it sounded good, but it puts a, a bigger responsibility. It. Yeah. If you're ready for it, now is the moment, right? Like I'm, I'm anticipating in the next three to five years that pro if properly leveraged our experience, ability to be able to market, understanding what a, 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 a correct value is to keep something versus wholesale versus wholesale, I, I'll be retired in three years. And, and prior to this, that timeline was closer to, to eight to 10. But I'm, I'm a firm believer that I'll be able to buy some assets in the next three years at, at historically low values. We were talking yesterday about some of the, the guys in the group that have had a ton of success recently buying large portfolios. I think now is the time to do that. Rather than marketing to individual landlords that are frustrated with one tenant, what do you think a guy is like now that owns 60 properties, 70 properties in Dallas, Fort Worth or Philly or Richmond, Virginia, right? And he's, he's how's this going to impact the value of my rental properties? I've stood on the sidelines and watched this and I missed the moment. So he missed the, the, the prices going up. 
they better not miss it going down. If he sells here, right, on the way down, in their eyes, they're making a lot more money than waiting until it gets here. I don't think we ever get here, but I think a lot of the fear that's being in, in, instilled in people now that are watching the news, there's going to be a fire sale. Hey, um, and I, I got some really bad news. I got some really bad news. We're gonna have to cancel the show. Uh, I only have I, I got fourth place. We're gonna have to cancel the show. Uh, <laughs> this is just entirely unacceptable. <laughs> CJ won that round again. I don't know what the heck is going on. Yeah, but that's who your family voted for. What about the viewers? <laughs> so you the place, <laughs> give hey. yourself a break. You probably hey. didn't come hey. in last with the media team. Else. Go back there and tell everyone in the office they need to start voting for me, or we're canceling the show. RJ. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, in this environment I, I think the answer we're probably all going to have the same as the middle class I mean back in 08, 09 I was the uh, low low class <laughs> the lowest income that you could possibly be the only thing that I was upset about was is gas prices I didn't know anything else that was going on with buying selling houses uh, maybe I was upset about my Taco Bell prices going up a little bit but that was about it uh, to, to Eric's point on uh, the the ability for us to that have had success recently and and where we're going to be, I, I agree. I think we're going to have a, a massive opportunity to just increase our wealth uh, over the next couple of years. Uh, I do disagree with Eric. I do think that this is probably going to be a little bit longer term. Uh, but I think the people that are going to suffer suffer the most is that middle class. For so sure. uh, I completely botched this question. I apologize. Let's start over. All right. So. Who's going to suffer the most in the real estate industry? So go ahead, RJ. Ah, okay. Uh, who suffers the most? Well, I think it's going to be the, the people that have been relying on doing luxury flips and, and high-end flips. I mean, I think those are going to be the first people. And, and then also the people that have not been buying deep enough on, on uh, the rental properties because uh, they're not prepared to understand how to buy moving forward. And if they continue to buy where they have, uh, I think they're going to really suffer moving forward because I, I think at some point in time, uh, we, we could price ourselves out of people being able to afford where the rent rates are as well. So luxury they, flippers they, and what was it? And, and, and the, people landlord, buy right. the people that have been buying at 85% of ARV right now. All right, Eric, so go back at it because I, I didn't ask you the question the right, right way earlier. I think it's the same. I mean, it's uh, realtors, right, which is one of the things we, we, we haven't relied a whole lot, but they're, they're, they're going to suffer. Um, they're actually going to have to learn how to, to, to prospect and, and, and market and negotiate, which they haven't had to do. So there's been a, a massive amount of people that have come in to, to being a real estate agent in the last couple of years because they thought it was easy. And to, to RJ's point, I think. It looks like a negotiating problem, but it actually can be a marketing problem. I know tons of people that were dropping marketing to people and saying, man, I locked this deal up. But it's like, yeah, but because you paid them retail value, right? So like, I think they have a, they're going to start saying, I got to negotiate lower, but you, there's th certain people that just aren't going to sell a property at 60% or 40% of ARV. So if you continue to market to those people and think it's a negotiating problem, you're going to have an issue, right? So it goes back to understanding who is the person that's most likely to sell us a property at a deep discount. And for a long time, people have been able to get away with a very low barrier of entry for marketing because they were making people offers and being able to lock up deals and then dispo them at prices that no longer exist. They're going to have to get better at marketing. So I, I disagree with you. Point, I, think it's I disagree with you as far as the realtors. I think realtors are going to do well. I think realtors are going to do well because they actually are going to be useful in this market. 
I think realtors have been worthless for the last couple of years, right? You didn't have to do anything to get a house sold. So I think realtors are going to win today because they actually have to provide value. They actually have to work to get the house sold, right? Like the traditional realtor marketing is, let me tell you why I'm the best, not let me show you how your house is going to sell for more. If they got the listing, the house sold. Uh, so now they actually have to work and actually provide value as a realtor. So I think the quality realtors are, are going to win in this market. But I think who's going to hurt the most are loan officers. I think loan officers, like right now, I'm going to look for like the quality loan officers to probably build out my team. Like we're looking for a lead manager. We're looking for a sales manager. And I think I would bet a good chunk of our applications are going to be loan officers. I think, I think the, the crippling interest rate jumps two weeks in a row have led to a lot of layoffs. And I think that's probably industry is going to get hurt the most uh, right now with this current environment. DJ. Yeah, man. I, I, look, I, I think it's everybody who chooses easy. Uh, is who's going to get impacted the most in the business. The the house flipper who chooses easy, who does a, a, a lackluster, you know, lipstick on a pig rehab, oh, doesn't really toast. care about the flip. Yeah, who, who doesn't care about that, that's going to be a problem. If you're a realtor who doesn't care about your clients, educating them on how to get maximum value for their property, and you're just concerned about making 3% on your commission, getting it sold really quickly, making a buck, it's a hot market. Those people, again, everybody who chooses easy, the wholesaler who just chooses to send out some texts, send out some RVMs, still scared to get on the phone and cold call, still scared to knock on somebody's door and make a deal. You know, look, it's been it's been pretty easy. Let's just all keep it real. It's been pretty easy selling the hedge funds, doing all these different things. If you've chosen easy over the past couple of years, see, here's the thing. Money hides mistakes. Money hides mistakes. When you're making money, it's easy to hide all the mistakes. So everyone who's been choosing easy over the last couple of years because it's been profitable, they're going to have a hard time coming into the market coming up because it's going to take the people that had the education, who've been building up the knowledge, who are being intentional about what's your investment strategy right now? What's your business strategy if you are a wholesaler? You know, that's why we're having those conversations of, hey, maybe we should start working out some of the nonprofit relationships we have. They're actively buying. We know that they bought during the recession very aggressively and provided affordable housing. Let's establish that relationship right now. Right. Like if you're not thinking outside the box, if you're still just choosing easy, um, you're, you're just going to have a hard time. Right. You know, and that's just kind of, you know, my perspective on it right now. Like, you know, who doesn't care about interest rates? Cash buyers, actual real cash buyers, not hard money, not not, you know, actual cash. But then what do cash buyers pay? And someone said it earlier. Right. It was like, hey, well, I can still sell to RJ and Chris, but it's got to be a different deal than it was a year ago. Right. So like. Cash right. buyers, which means you've got to negotiate better. All right. Yeah, I want to blend the answers between Steve and Eric real quick because I think Eric was right, but I think so is Steve. I think the problem with with majority of realtors is is that they haven't had the know how to be the expert and get a property sold. So I think those are going to be the ones that struggle. And to Steve's point, the ones that have been around that actually know how to do the job of being a realtor and actually performing, I think yes, Steve, you're right. They will succeed in the times to come. But I, I think the vast majority of them, to Eric's point, are going to struggle. Yeah, right. I answered the question correctly. So technically, I would be like, you said, who's going to be the most impacted? So certainly, the good real estate agents are, are going to do well, Steve. You didn't you didn't actually answer the question. Like the question was, I said, loan who's officer, gonna, listen, try who's listening to be once. impacted the most. Anyway. One percent of realtors do the other ninety percent of the business. This so is why Eric, this is why you were never a good realtor, Eric. All right, let's go ahead and jump into this. <laughs> uh, so, guys, vote 
Uh, final question here. So um, this is from David De Silva. All right. So we'll start with you, Eric. If you are new to wholesaling, would you get in today? Would you get in wholesaling today in this environment if you're new to wholesaling? Yeah, absolutely. Like it right now is a great time to get in because there's going to be a lot of people getting out, but you need to find you. You got to align yourself with someone that can teach you how to do deals prior to 2020. Right. If you're learning from, from someone or, or you're, um, you know, implementing marketing strategies, acquisitions and dispo strategies that got two years worth of, of shelf life on them. That is a that is a, a bad model to follow. If you can align yourself with someone that was doing deals between 2012 and 2020, that's someone that knows how to get deals done in a normal market. And I mean, and quite frankly, in 2010, 11, and 12, that wasn't even a normal market. It was still bad. It was very much a buyer's market. So I, you know, right after 2008, I, I was fortunate enough. I had a business partner that got us funding and we did installment sales agreements till like 2012, 2013, because nobody could get a mortgage. Um, everybody else wanted big discounts and seller's help. And it, it just wasn't, we, we didn't like the fix and flip market. Um, so I would say, yeah, absolutely. It's just as good a time as any. It just requires a different skill set. BJ. Yeah, direct to seller, uh, you know, wholesaling, I think it's always a good time to get in. I don't think, you know, I've done a lot of different types of real estate, home building, fix and flip, rentals, multifamily, whatever. The 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 ability to be direct to seller and understand the skill set that's required to be able to get somebody under contract, to be able to analyze a property quickly, to be able to have a vast network of people uh, and cross different niches uh, in your market. Uh, I don't think it's ever a bad position to be that. I think if only wholesaling is the only thing in your tool belt. Uh, I think now is the time to start adding into that skill set. Now is the time to start understanding seller financing. How does that function? How do you actually perform on seller financing? Eric just mentioned a land installment contract. Hey, what is a land installment contract? You know, I do land installment contracts right now. So studying and figuring out those things, right? Hey, you know, how do I do these things and complement it with having direct to seller uh, ability and functionality in my business. I think that's what's critical. So yes, it's a great time to jump in. RJ. Yeah. I mean, I, I, if you plan on running a business as a wholesaler, then there's no time to wait. I mean, yes, now's the time to get in. We have a very simple job as a wholesaler. You have two tasks. It's to solve the seller's problem. That's problem. That's the solution that you have to come up with. And then on the backside is to either provide equity or cash flow to your, your in buyers. And so regardless of whatever's taking place in the marketplace, can you do uh, both of those things, regardless of what's happening in 2022 and 2020 and 2018? It's been different in all of those years. Um, it's still the same simple task. You just have to talk to your both of your pseudo customers and find out the best way to do that. So I, I absolutely think there's there's no time to wait. I mean, let's get going. Yeah, I'm with all you guys. The, the best thing that happened for me was I jumped into real estate in 2007. And I ate crap sandwiches for two or three years, but I got to learn all the skill sets necessary to survive and thrive, right? If I got in an easy mark, if I, if I, if I got in last year, man, I, I might have some false confidence. I might, I might think I'm better uh, than I really am, right? Uh, the, was that Warren Buffett, right? Uh, about the tide? What is it? Um, no, we want to hear you attempt to say it. Yeah. A receding, a, a receding tide will reveal who's been swimming naked the whole time, right? Something along those lines. That's enough. Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> thank you, Eric. Uh, so <laughs> right now, 
uh, we're going to find out who were the good wholesalers, who were actually good at direct to sales, or were they just really good at selling to hedge funds, right? Or were they just really good at joint venture? Like they only had one tool this whole time. So I think now's the right time. I think now's a great time, but you better, you better come in ready to learn multiple skill sets. You better have the right mentor. I would not want to figure out this market by myself right now. Eric and I are a collective genius together. You know, we got to hang out for the last few days. I came in with a little bit of anxiety, you know, and I am probably one of the most irrationally confident people you guys will know. I came in with a little bit of anxiety and I feel a lot better today because, you know, I got to find, find a tribe. So I know, Chris, you got supercharged. RJ, you got something. No one knows what it is. And, um, but, <laughs> 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 but you guys got to find a tribe, right? You got to find a community. So if you're going to, I would definitely not try to figure out wholesaling by myself right now. I would find a tribe. I would find a mentor. And you got four guys here that can help you navigate, right? Four quality gentlemen that can help you guys navigate this market. So Eric, did Steve just try to win a real estate debate by quoting Warren Buffett? Yeah, he did two things. He, he, he agreed with us. He's pulling yeah. out all the stops, right? So it was the best answer he gave the entire show, <laughs> which I just agree with the other smarter, much better looking, taller guys. And bust out a Warren Buffett quote that he got and 40% it, wrong. And so far, the people are falling for it because he's actually leading right now. Yeah, I'm disappointed right. in the entire audience right now. It's a sympathy <laughs> vote, much like the laugh we gave him an hour ago. Oh, thank you, guys. I really appreciate you guys. All right, so guys, vote. Let us know. Who who do you think won? Who do you think won? And, you know, put us some questions. We're going to be doing this again next week, Thursday next week, right? Uh, 10 o'clock Pacific, 1 o'clock Eastern. We're doing this again. Uh, we might not have these same guys because I really didn't care for their attitudes, but um, uh, you know, put put in the chat what you guys want us to talk about next week, and let us uh, know who do you think won this round, right? So that's the first episode. Uh, we'll we'll let you guys know who won. But takeaways, what do you guys think? What did you guys, the three of you, what do you guys think about today? It was fun. It was cool. It's good to hear different perspectives. Um, I think the funny thing is, is that. It's generally difficult to get the three of us to degree. So you're going to have to, or disagree. You're going to have to work on some different topics. Yeah. Um, when you get three uh, smart people plus Steve on the same call, you're, you're going to have a difficult <laughs> time getting us to disagree generally because it's obvious that we've done and have a similar approach to business um, that's very similar. So that was kind of funny to me, right? Like we didn't actually disagree on a whole lot um, other than maybe like, a, a small little aspect of one of our responses. So yep. I thought it was good. It was cool. It's great to hear different perspective. And uh, I look forward to the next one. All right. Uh, so everyone said, hey, okay, everyone just real quick before you get, uh, before RJ goes, everyone just restate your name, full name. Uh, my my name is RJ Bates the third. This is RJ is his name. All right, go ahead, CJ. <laughs> I just love the third part, but uh, Chris Jefferson, Chris Jefferson. I'm Eric Brewer the first. <laughs> Steve Trang, I hope you guys know who I am. Um, so this round, Steve, hey, won my first one. So unfortunately. Wait, you won a recount? I won recount. Recount? Yeah. Recount. Oh, man. Dude, I got a whole yeah, staff voting for me. And I for sure won. I mean, we hit up the VAs. Both of them. Both of them. I was going to say, I think you made one of the roll calls, man. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So go ahead, uh, CJ. What's the question? Oh, no, just your. No, I'm just kidding. My, my perspective on the day. Look, my perspective on the day was great. Uh, I think I, I agree with Eric, right? I think it's a great conversation to have multiple viewpoints, multiple opinions. 
he's right though. You know, you get, you know, a couple people in a room that have been doing this for a long time. In many ways, we're going to have some pretty similar, you know, uh, thoughts and ideas about how we're looking at things. But uh, I think giving the audience, I think giving people that may have fear right now in this moment or, you know, uncertainty in this moment, uh, I think this is a good show, man. I think this is something we definitely should be doing uh, to give uh, different opinions and not just coming from one person, but different opinions. So people can really individually form their own perspectives and make decisions in their everyday lives and their businesses about how they're moving forward, man. So definitely had a great time. Cool. RJ? Uh, my, my observations are that Eric's, uh, I believe it's built t-shirt looks like the Michelin tire man, uh, uh, Chris, Chris Jefferson's charged up crew is the new superhuman group. So that means the whole chat was just blowing up, charged up, baby, charged up. It's, 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 it's the movement. It's the movement. It's the movement. Yeah. And, uh, I'm excited to finally be on a weekly podcast with Steve so I can actually teach him how to be a better podcast host. So <laughs> those are my observations for today. It was an, it was enjoyable to be here. I look forward to every week. All right. I appreciate that. Thanks guys. And, uh, so unfortunately CJ won, so we'll fix that next week. We'll fix this problem next week. Uh, and we will, we will go and look for more controversial topics. We'll see. It's going to be tough because we got four guys with pretty similar, similar experiences, right? We're actually, we're, we're actually talking to our buyers. We're actually talking to sellers, right? Like our perspectives are going to be pretty similar. We're dealing with the same challenges that hard money lenders, uh, are pulling back or, 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 or the, the hedge funds pulling back. So, uh, we got to go and figure out we can find at least two that will have a, a strong debate. So we'll wrap it up here. Unfortunately, CJ won the first one. We'll see you guys. Okay, okay, okay. Thursday, Thursday next week, 1 o'clock Eastern, 10 o'clock Pacific. Uh, subscribe, hit the bell. You guys can see this show from the jump. See you all next week.